This weekend, I want to uh, just spend a few minutes talking to you, to all of us, but especially to you moms, about motherhood. You know, a mother's heart dedicated to God is one of the best examples of Christ's love on this earth. A mother's heart's a special place created by God. And you know, I'm reminded of that as I, as I travel around and meet moms around the world. You know, I've traveled extensively in the United States, but I've been to India twice and been to Uganda three times. And one thing I've discovered is that people are the same all over the world. We're all the same. I mean, sure, we have different skin color and we speak different languages and have different cultures and traditions and religious beliefs. We may eat different food and wear different clothes or sing different songs. But people are all the same in God's eyes. You know, God says we're neither Jew nor Greek, so we're all the same race. We're the human race. That's what God says. And God has divided the human race into two categories, those that love and and, uh, worship Jesus Christ and those that do not. And apart from that important distinction, down deep inside, there's really no difference in us as human beings. You know, we all have the same hopes and dreams for our children and our families. And mothers the world over, I can tell you, they love their babies. They care for their families. And barring any circumstances that might negatively impact a mother's love, a mother will give herself away for her child. She'll give her life for her child. A mother cares for her child. She wants her children to have food and clothes and an opportunity to learn and grow. Last month, uh, when I was in Uganda, I had the opportunity to interact with a, with a number of moms who told me just happy stories about how many of you here at New Life are sponsoring their children and how that's made a difference in their life, how that's changed their life, changed the life of their child and changed their life. You know, Makono Community Church is where we were visiting, and, it's, and uh, as you've heard us say before, it's a church that's preaching the gospel in a part of the world where witchcraft and child sacrifice and, and even cannibalism is a reality. But New Life, I want to report to you tonight that through our partnership with Makono and through your love for Jesus Christ by sponsoring children in Makono, the gospel is being preached in Makono and people are coming to know Jesus Christ. And that's a wonderful thing. Amen? You know, for example, just one specific example, there were two moms, Asha and Amida. And these two ladies were Muslim women. Um, the moms just like, just like you. And they love their children. And when they heard about the sponsorship program at Makono Church, even as Muslims, they broke through that cultural barrier and came to the church to try to give their children an opportunity. That's what a mother does. And New Life has sponsored both of these ladies' children. So, you know, when their children are sponsored, they get school clothes, they get uh, uh, school fees paid, they get to go to school and they get food. And then two Saturdays a month, they come and visit Makono Church for an all-day Sunday school program where they learn about Jesus. So you have sponsored Asha and Amita's children. But the beautiful part of the story doesn't stop there because 
Both Asha and Amida, once their children were sponsored, they became interested in these people who loved their children. And they became interested in this Jesus who would inspire people to be so selfless and sacrificial for their children. So both Asha and Amida have become born-again followers of Jesus Christ. Amen. That deserves applause. Amen. They're worshiping Him and they're serving the church and it's because New Life sponsored their children. So I want to tell you that through our child sponsorship program in Makono, New Life Church is having an eternal impact in lives around the world and that's a wonderful thing. So I want to do a little commercial right here, okay? As we celebrate Mother's Day this weekend, as you think about your mother this weekend, And you honor your mother. Let me tell you one way that you can truly honor your mother, and that is to remember those mothers in Makono whose children have not yet been sponsored. And so after this service, you can go out into the lobby and sponsor a child. Your small sacrifice of $35 a month will change a child's life. It will change a mom's life, and it will even change a family. So you can honor your mother today by sponsoring a Makono child and giving that child the opportunity to know Jesus Christ. Because mothers around the world are all the same. We're all the same. You know, God created a mother's heart. And it's the same everywhere. God has imprinted in the heart of a woman a gentle, nurturing desire for her children. And I believe the spirit of a mother's heart is the same heart that beats in the message of the gospel. So I want to explore that thought today, just for a few minutes. And my goal today is to inspire all of us to remember our moms, but also to remember the gospel. Remember what Christ has done for us and how he cares for each one of us here in this room. When you think of your mother this weekend in a special way to honor her, let me encourage you to also think about Jesus. Because he created your mother, and he created you. So if you take out of your uh, worship folder there the uh, sermon notes, we're going to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to read these verses to you. We're going to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. The verses are there on top of your sheet. Paul writes... For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. 
Now, it's interesting. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Thessalonica. And this church was a poor congregation. They were suffering various forms of persecution and trouble. And Paul wrote these words to them to encourage and to comfort them to answer some false allegations that have been made about him and to correct some misguided theology in the church, but more than anything else, to encourage them to persevere in holy living. He wanted them to hang on, keep doing the right thing. Jesus is coming back, persevere in holiness. But then here in chapter 2, Paul begins to describe his own ministry to the church as a backdrop for teaching about spiritual leadership. And if we were going to study this passage in depth today, we would be exploring this model of spiritual leadership that Paul lays out. That's kind of the primary point of this chapter. But being that this is Mother's Day weekend, I rather than talk about that, I want to focus our attention on the metaphor that Paul uses right there in verses 7 and 8. He says, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. You know, Paul uses a, a, an intimate and uh, compelling metaphor here to illustrate the point he's trying to paint. Of, or make of spiritual leadership. In verses 7 and 8, he talks about a mother. And he uses the picture of a mother to talk about spiritual leadership. And then in verses 11 and 12, he uses a father. But the picture that he paints here in verses 7 and 8, Paul uses a mother as an example, and he's talking about spiritual intimacy and protective care. And so tonight, ladies, I want to propose to you that those motherly instincts that you have, your mother's heart is a physical expression on this earth of God's heart toward us. You know, God created everything, didn't He? God created each one of us here in this room. God created men and women. He created marriage and family. He created moms and dads. And we're each created with different authority or function or responsibility or philosophy. But he created all of us. And I think there's many answers to the question, why did God create marriage and family? Why did God do that? Well, one reason I believe is that when a father and a mother live as God intended, obeying the Scripture, the result is a God-honoring family that illustrates the relationship that God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit have with one another. And it illustrates the relationship that they desire to have with us. The same unity of purpose expressed in the Godhead is the same unity that He desires to have with us. The heart of a mother and the heart of a father working together, obeying the Scripture together, living the way God intended a family to live is a picture of that relationship that God has and that He desires with us. Because God loves us with the heart of a mother and He models the authority and justice to us of a loving Father. And you know, on this earth, I think there's little to compare with the 
love that a mother has for her child. A tiny baby is helpless, vulnerable, potentially exposed to hunger and thirst and fear. A baby needs constant love and care to survive, doesn't it? And that's just simply the way God created it. He created a family that way, and that's why God designed a mother. You know, there's no substitute for that, is there? I mean, it's essential to the well-being of a child that, that there be a mother. It's also God's perfect plan and design that there be a father who loves God with all his heart and then loves his family as himself. And then that perfect balance of gentle nurturing and care and loving example of, of authority, God's design is perfectly displayed on this earth. That's the plan of God for the church. That's the plan of God for the family. That's the plan of God for each one of us individually here tonight. So, Paul is describing his leadership, and by association he's teaching how spiritual leadership is to be lived out in the church. And he uses this picture of a nursing mother caring for her child. But I think this picture demonstrates a more supreme plan. That plan that was foreordained before the foundation of the world. The plan of Jesus, the holy God, the creator of all that is, coming in the flesh, dwelling among us, giving his life as a substitute for us, and then three days later, gloriously raising from that grave to live forevermore. He took our judgment and our death, and he provides for us life and hope. Amen? So I believe when God created a mother's heart, he patterned that heart after his own heart. The heart that beats at the core of the gospel. And very quickly, I want to show you why I think this is true. How does the heart of a mother exemplify the gospel? That's the question. Well, I think first and foremost, a mother is tender toward her child. Paul says here in verse 7, he describes his interaction with the Thessalonians. And he says, I didn't come to you... As a greedy, self-styled flatterer given to pride or power or control or abuse, I came to you gently, caring for you tenderly as a mother nursing her baby. He says, when I was among you, I was gentle to you. And he uses a beautiful word there. The word is apios, and it's used here, and it's used in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, and it simply means to be kind to someone. Paul says, I was kind to you. He says, when we moved among you, we were kind to you. We didn't come to abuse you, to take from you, to exploit you or manipulate you. We moved among you with kindness. And to strengthen that thought, Paul selects this picture of, a, of this intimate, tender, cherishing human relationship. And there's none to match it. There's no relationship to match this. There's no relationship on this earth that's as tender and gentle as a nursing mother and an infant child. The most tender relationship in all of human history. There's no authority in that picture, is there? The mother doesn't hold a baby to her breast with any authority. There's no dominance there. There's no prominence on her part. There's no seeking of honor. There's simply the giving of life. 
It's a spending of oneself for another. A nursing mother gives love to her child and spares nothing. The verb translated there tenderly is, is also taking care. It literally means, this is a great picture, it literally means to warm with body heat. How graphic is that? I mean, think about the picture as a mother takes her little one in her arms and holds it close. She warms that little baby with her own body heat, passing her life onto that life. Man, the intimacy of that, the, the beauty of that, the tenderness of that, there's just no equal. There's no equal. So how does this picture reflect the gospel? Well, I think it helps to answer the question, how does Jesus react toward us, His children? You know, with with the same gentleness, Jesus loves us, doesn't He? Just as a mother loves her nursing child, Jesus Christ loves us with that gentleness. Matthew 11, 29, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. You will find rest for your souls. Think about that picture. That little baby in that mother's arms. There's no dominance there. There's no authority there. It's just love. That little child just rests in his mother's arms. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and you will find rest for your souls. I will be gentle to you. So just as a mother gently and tenderly cares for her baby, Jesus is gentle toward us. His burden is light. You know, as God, He could condemn us, couldn't He? He could punish us for our sin. But John three sixteen through 18 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Because whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. Jesus didn't come into this world to condemn us, but he came into this world to gently call us to himself. The heart of Jesus, like a, like a nursing mother, holding her infant in her arms, he gently calls us to repentance and belief. Now believe me, the day is coming when as a father, he's going to take his authority and he's going to execute judgment and bring about justice. But today, he offers himself to us, gently calling us to himself. Romans 2, 4 says, Do you presume to take the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Do you not know that it's God's kindness that is meant to lead you to repentance. It's your kindness, Lord, that leads me to repentance. A mother's heart is a picture of the gospel because it's with that same gentle kindness that Jesus extends His grace and mercy to us. He took your judgment and gently offers you grace. Think about that. Think about that. 
And there's another way I think a mother's heart exemplifies the gospel. A mother longs for her child. In verse 8 here, Paul says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Paul says, affectionately desirous. That's an interesting uh, phrase, and it means to long for someone. It's the longing that makes a mother want to hold that little life in her arms and hold that baby close. It's that deep longing, and that's God's design. And Paul, in the context of spiritual leadership here, says that a leader should have the same kind of longing with those he is leading. But he uses this picture of a mother longing for her child. Now, I've never been a mother, and I will probably never be a mother. But I sort of can understand what he's saying here. Because I remember when my kids were, were, were young babies, and they'd be laying in their crib. I don't know if you ever do this. They're laying there asleep, and you go in their room, and you just want to stand by the crib, and you just want to stare at them. I mean, I used to do that all the time. They'd be laying there, and i just go in, and oh, my goodness, I just long for those little guys. I just wanted to hold them and just grab them and just squeeze them and love them. Now, obviously, I wasn't stupid enough to do that because, you know, you, you touch them and all of a sudden stuff starts coming out in various parts of their body and they start screaming and all that kind of stuff. They were really beautiful when they were quiet and asleep. But that longing, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? That longing, that desire. Well, that's what Paul's talking about here when he says, affectionately desirous of you. You know, a mother has that deep, deep desire that causes her to want to be with her child. Not, not that she's somehow incomplete without that child, but she desires to give her life to that child. That's the way God designed it. That's the longing in the heart of Jesus for us as children. It's the longing that I think held him to that cross. His desire for you. His desire to have you with Him. You know, God isn't, God is complete, isn't He? He doesn't need us. He's pretty good on His own. It's not that He needs us, but it's that He de- desires us with a, with a deep heart of longing. He wants us to be with Him. He wants to be with us. Jesus' purpose and desire is that we live with Him. Jesus' purpose and desire is that we live with Him, just as that mother desires her child. You know, in John 14, the night before His crucifixion, Jesus was, was talking to, the, to His disciples, and He said, Don't be troubled and don't be afraid. I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come back. And I'm going to get you. And I'm going to take you with me. Because I want you to be with me. Where I am, there you're going to be. John 17, that night, the same night, before his crucifixion, before his trial and crucifixion and death, he prayed what is truly the Lord's Prayer. And that John chapter 17 is his prayer. And in that prayer he said, Father, I desire that they also whom you've given to me, may be with me where I am. That was his prayer. 
He prayed for you that night and said, I want them to be with me. That longing that drove him to that cross. His passionate desire to have us with him. The desire that began in the God's heart, it was displayed at the cross and at that empty tomb, and it's modeled every day in a mother's heart as she affectionately desires her child. It's that same picture. Jesus wants you to be with him forever. Just think about that. The heart of a mother is the heart of the gospel because she gently cares for the child just as Jesus cares for us, and she longs for her child with the same kind of longing that Jesus has for us. And finally, a mother will give her life for her child. Paul in these verses says, because we affectionately desired you, we were ready not only to share this gospel of God. He's talking about the gospel that goes beyond justification all the way to sanctification. You know, Jesus gave us the Great Commission, and the Great Commission isn't just to get people to, to Jesus and get them baptized, but it's to teach them to obey all He commands, right? Paul says this gospel is the gospel that saved you and is continuing to save you throughout your life. So Paul says here, We affectionately desired you. We're ready not only to share the gospel of God, but I gave you my life. I gave up my life for you. A mother who's faithful to being what a mother ought to be sets aside her life for the life of her child. She's sacrificial. She's utterly unselfish and generous. That child's life, for a while, tends to dominate her life. You can't have a baby and go on living your own life, can you? And fulfill God's intention for a mother. Because the baby consumes your life. I mean, you've got to feed it, and you've got to change it, and you've got to clean it up, and feed it, and clean it up again, and change it, and put it down, and pick it up, and show pictures of it to everybody, and hold it up, and let everybody look at it. I mean... That, that baby just kind of takes over your life for a while. And it doesn't really change as they become teenagers either. Or when they're in their 20s. That's as far as I've gone so far, so that's all I can talk about. But seriously, Paul said, I gave my life for you just as a mother gives her life for her child. That's the way God intended. That nursing mother not only dispenses that life-saving milk, but then she also gives her child her time and her energy, and she meets all of that child's needs. Now, why does a mother do this? I think the end of verse 8, a mother does this for the same reason a spiritual leader should do this. Paul says, because you had become very dear to us. Beloved is the word. That's the essence of a mother's love. A strong, compelling sense of the preciousness of her child. You were dear to us. You were of value to me, Paul says. Well, that's what a mother believes about her child. Her child is dear to her and of value to her. Paul says, you were so priceless to me that there was no way I could, I could treat you with indifference. 
That strong affection, like the natural bond of a mother and child. I mean, what does a mother want from her child? What can that child give its mother? What price can a child pay a nursing mother? How much will a child pay for, for the deep affection and longing from a mother's heart? There's absolutely nothing, is there? A child gives nothing to that mother but love and dependence. But a mother's heart is created by God and patterned after His own heart such that she would give her life for her child. So how does this reflect the gospel? Well, I think this reflects the gospel in the purest form, is that Jesus loves us such that He did what? He gave His life for us. 1 John 4, verses, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 says, In this is the love of God. It was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for us, a substitute for us. That word propitiation. He's our substitute. Jesus giving His life for us, I believe, is the essence of the gospel, is it not? It was that tender, gentle longing for us that moved God to make a way for our salvation, to make known His glory and to fulfill His joy in us. So moms, today, I want you to know you're special. You are special to us. But you're also special because God has imprinted on your heart the same desires, love, and longings for your children that He has for us. That same willingness you have to give your life for your children is the same willingness that caused Jesus to give His life for you. And if your mother has given her life to you in that way, thank God. Thank God for blessing you with her. And if for some reason your relationship with your mother didn't seem to work out that way, and you're a mother, well, let me tell you, break that cycle and give your life to your children in that way. When you remember your mother this weekend, tomorrow you may be going to take them out to dinner or, or whatever. Guys, maybe you're going to cook dinner for your wife tomorrow or mom tomorrow. Maybe you're going to order pizza like I am for my mom tomorrow. I'm not kidding. When you think about her tomorrow, think, think about, or when you think about being a mother or any lady in here, when you live your day as a mother tomorrow, just remember how God loved us with that same gentle spirit, how He cares for us as children. No matter your circumstances, no matter what you're going through in this life, Jesus gave His life for you and His desire is that you will be with Him and He gently is calling you to Himself every day. Every day. As a child, you've got nothing to give Him but your love and your devotion. Well, let me tell you what. Give that to Him. Because He deserves it. Moms are the same all over the world. I've traveled, I've talked to moms all over the world. Asha and Amita, they love their children just like you do. Just like you do. The families you saw earlier standing up here making the choice to adopt an orphan child, 
Boy, that is love in action. And praise God, those children are going to be blessed by being adopted into families. They didn't have families, and now they do. And just as those children have been blessed with new moms and new dads, each one of us in this room who know Jesus Christ has been adopted into His family. You're in a new family now. Praise God. He has chosen us through the power of His gospel. So godly mothers reflect the gospel because they're gentle to us as God is gentle to us. They long for us with the same longing that He longs for us. They give their lives to us reflecting the truth that Jesus gave His life for us. So as we leave tonight, I want to leave you with two questions. And I want to challenge you to take some quiet time this week and answer these two questions for yourself. Question number one is how has God shown His love for you? I want you to make a list of some specific things that God has done to show you His love and thank Him for those things. Make a specific list of this is what God has done for me to show me how much He loves me. And then question number two is how can you show that love to someone else? What are some practical things you will do this week? Not what should I ought to do, what ought I do, what, what could I do, what would I do, but what am I going to do this week to show that same love to somebody else? Maybe God is talking to your family and has been talking to your family about maybe uh, adoption, committing that act of, of love of adopting another child. Boy, that would be a great thing. We would love that if you did something like that. Or maybe you can honor your mother tonight or this weekend by sponsoring a Makono child. Maybe your act of love in response to the love your mother had for you and that Jesus Christ had for you is to go out in that lobby, pull one of those cards, fill out the form, and begin sponsoring a child in Makono in honor of your mother. That would be a great thing to do. So as we leave, ladies, I just want to say Happy Mother's Day. And I want to remind you to remember the fact that the tender, nurturing, longing and loving heart inside you embodies the heart of Jesus and the power of the gospel. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you right now. I thank you, first of all, Lord, that this plan of salvation, this concept that you would come and die on a cross for us, raised from the dead, giving us the opportunity to have a relationship with you. That was all your idea. And you formulated that plan before the foundation of the world. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for you. And Father, I want to thank you for all of our moms here in this room right now and for all of those ladies who desire to be moms and for all the ladies in our room right now, Father. Because you have created them with a special heart, a special nurturing love, Lord. A love, Father, that reflects the gospel. 
And I pray, Lord, this weekend as we think about our mothers, that we not only just think about them and honor them, but when we look at our mother, we think about you. Because you, Lord, love us supremely and love us more than we can even imagine. Father, I thank you and I praise you. And it's in your name we give you all the glory and the honor. Amen. Amen.